was a time of revelry, and she was scandalous. It was a time of violence, and she was lawless. It was a time of passion. I've never yet deceived my husband. And she was the mistress of deceit. This is the lusty, bawdy, epic story of England's most legendary robber, the Wicked Lady. Greetings, stationers! Welcome to yet another exciting and informative episode of the Revelation Station podcast with me, your delightful and handsome host, Simon, and my co-presenter, Gary. Hello, Gary! Hello, Simon. I would like to say I'm handsome and presentable, but as you know, I'm just grumbling and grumbly and old and cantankerous and... Talking to you, actually, that is probably what makes me cantankerous and grumbly and grumpy. Well, you are you are co-presentable. Am I really co-presentable? There you go. There you yeah. go. I don't even take lead yeah. in my own bedroom, which I'm I'm broadcasting from as we speak. <laughs> even in my own home, I'm second billing. It's terrible. Well, this episode has been delayed. There has been another mini episode in between uh, Phil Collins' "Hello, I Must Be Going" episode and this episode. So don't worry, listeners, you've not missed anything. Let's be fair, they never do, even if they miss them. But to be fair, there was a good reason for the delay. It turns out neither of us could be bothered last week. Um, me because I had a large backlog of alcohol I needed to get through. <laughs> and Simon had been working extremely hard doing whatever it is Simon does for a living. I've never quite figured it out. It seems to be mostly sitting on his bum, just laughing at people. You do have a job, don't you, Simon? It's not just looking out the window and chuckling at people walking down the street. Yeah, but obviously if I told you what my job was, then I would have to kill you. You say that so. every time I ask you a question. You'd have you'd answer it, but you have to yeah. kill me. I ask you, what did you have for tea last night? That's true. And you say, I'd tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. You know, it doesn't always work, that reply. So anyway, we're back. Why have you dragged me here, Simon? In our final episode of season two of the Revelation Station podcast. Final episode. Can you believe it? Yes. Yes, I can. Technically episode 14, but actually we've done about 22 episodes. So Really? Yeah. Feels more. Not bad. Feels more. Yeah. But anyway, this is our finale. So the album we have been reviewing this week. Uh, 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 I'd just like to point out to everybody when you say the album we have been reviewing the album you have forced me to review this happens every week you give me homework and i have to listen to some god-awful album until i like it correct so (laughs) what have you had me listen to this week simon under pain of death we have been listening to the soundtrack album to the 1983 film the wicked lady which is written by Mr. Tony Banks. Gosh, yeah. I mean, when you suggested this one, I thought, well, Simon's obviously off his rocker because why would you do the soundtrack to something without talking about the the whole movie? Um, Because it seems unfair, doesn't it, just to look at the soundtrack as a standalone? Even if you listen to a really great soundtrack, if you've never seen the film and it stands alone... It doesn't have the impact that it does if you associate Hmm. images or actions with that sound. It's like um, the Imperial March in Star Wars. It's a great piece of music. We both know it's a great piece of music by John Williams. But if you don't think of it and see a Star Destroyer, you don't really get the gravitas of the moment. You know what I'm saying? The example you've just cited there of the Imperial March, that's a good soundtrack that you can listen to as an album, as a piece of music, 
and still enjoy it, whether you're watching the film or not. Mm. Now, it's impossible for me to say whether you would enjoy it having not seen the film, because obviously I've grown up with Star Wars, so the film has always been there and the soundtrack's been after it. So my reasoning behind wanting to do these albums is twofold. First of all, it was released as a solo album by Tony Banks. This second season has been all about solo albums, so therefore it fits in with that. There are other soundtrack albums to come, such as Birdie by Peter Gabriel. And later on down the line, I want to do the Brother Bear and um, Tarzan soundtracks. Oh, God. <laughs> but the justification being that they were released as solo albums. Not so much the Brother Bear and the... Tarzan soundtracks, but we'll come on to that when we get to that far down the line. I'm looking forward to coming out of quarantine so that we can finally meet face to face and I can beat you half to death. <laughs> but anyway, those are my two reasons for covering this album in our review podcast. Well, it, it, it was released as a solo album and it's got his name on it, so therefore it should be covered. In my humble opinion, there's a very, very, very weak reasons for putting me through this. <laughs> well, that doesn't matter. I'm in charge, so... As you keep reminding me on an almost hourly basis. Like it or lump it. Like it or lump it. And he doesn't care if I lump it, do you? No. I just turn up at 3am in, in your bedroom and say, Right, Gary, it's time to review this album. So, Simon, let's go back in time for a second. It's 1983. Faye Dunaway, Alan Bates, John Gielgud, Denholm Elliott, Prunella Scales, Oliver Tobias... So many actors of that time, which were big names, literally oh. have nothing to do until they get a phone call from Mr. Michael Winner to make the yeah. film The Wicked Lady, which is in itself a remake of the 1945 version of the film of the same name with Margaret Lockwood starring. Mm. Tell me something about the film, Simon. Well, according to Wikipedia, the plot is thusly. Let me bait my breath. Caroline is to be wed to Sir Ralph and invites her sister, Barbara, to be her bridesmaid. <gasps> Barbara seduces Ralph and marries him herself. But despite her new wealthy situation, she gets bored and turns to highway robbery for thrills. <gasps> While on the road, she meets a famous highwayman, Jerry Jackson, and they continue as a team. But some people begin suspecting her identity and she risks death if she continues her nefarious activities. <gasps> That was my best being baited several times there. It sounds exciting, this film. It does. So we watched some of this film, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, OK. With the best intentions, I sat down to watch this film. As I've said to you on many occasions, yes. I enjoy a good crap film. Um, you do? Yeah, I, I, there are many films that I enjoy that, that most people would just look at and go, why, why are you watching this? I <laughs> derive a great deal of pleasure out of some of these movies. Not so much this one. Um, no. It's... it's Starts off with basically full frontal nudity, just yes. to get you into the mood of the film and set the tone for what is to come. Yeah, it almost seems like a Hammer movie, doesn't it? You know, in it does. in the way yeah. it feels. The thing that struck me is that Wikipedia. If you go on Wikipedia, listeners, and look at that entry for the plot, it's two paragraphs of three or four sentences. The first paragraph is literally the first ten minutes of the film. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> It's so it sets everything up so quickly. It's like the choppiest film ever. I think I got to about half an hour, and then I called mm. it quits. I, I really couldn't watch anymore. It wasn't. It's not that it's a yeah. bad film. It's just that well, I have to describe it. It's a bad film. Um, yes, you just you're just watching it and you're going. This is this is just. It's odd. It's got that. It's got that odd eighties campiness about it. 
um, yeah, where you, yeah, you go, has. you're making this film, but you're not really taking this film seriously. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel dramatic. I fast forward it through the film in, to see if it improved, obviously, and obviously to seek out Marina Sursa's uh, topless scene, um, just because I'm a sad Trekkie. Um, and, you know, people should hmm. be aware of this and, and really seek it out just for that moment. Um, not that I'm sad <laughs> or tragic, but... I'm sad and tragic. And then I got to the very yes. end, and I can't tell from the end whether – I don't want to spoil this for any of our listeners because um, I know they're going to rush out now and buy copies of this film to, to have a look at. Um, Naturally. I, I can't tell at the end whether the main character dies or not. It's sort of left potentially open for a sequel. <laughs> Did you get any further into it, Simon? I got about 45 minutes in, I think. Um, and yeah, I just, I kind of, I just gave up on it after that. <laughs> the funny thing is, right, I didn't not enjoy it, but I didn't enjoy it at the same time. I know exactly what you mean. It's kind of that, <laughs> it's got that campiness that kind of yeah. makes you think nobody should be taking this film seriously. So you don't take yeah. seriously what is in essence quite a serious plot, mm. but it's not filmed in a serious way. Does that make sense? It's kind of a hodgepodge of a movie. Like I say, it crammed so much into the first 10, 15 minutes that it was I, it was almost like I was overwhelmed by the amount of things that were going on. It was like... Mostly the nudity. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I got about 45 minutes into it and then um, I was watching it quite late at night and I was starting to fall asleep, so I turned it off. But I probably will end up just finishing it off to see how it ends, to be Marina honest. Marina Sirtis' topless scene. Uh, uh, as well. But my... my... My main problem with the thing was that the main male lead is played by Denham Elliott. Yes. Um, Ralph, Sir Ralph. And he's marrying Glynis Barber, who at that point wasn't terribly famous um, and is quite young and attractive in this film. But he's really old (laughs) and not particularly attractive. But they're all fawning over him. To be fair, that was of the time. Quite often, older gentlemen married younger people. Mm. You have to remember at this time, I mean, Denholm Elliott had literally finished Indiana Jones about two years previous to this. And if you look at those two films, we're not just talking directorial style, but they just don't Mm. seem of the same period. Readers... The yeah. Lost Ark is a classic movie by anybody's standards. But this one looks and feels like it should have been shot in the early 70s rather than the middle 80s. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They seem like worlds apart, these films. It's cheap. It's been done on the cheap. That's the I word I was that's, looking for. That's the difference. Yeah. Having it's said that, you say it's cheap. cheap. It's got a lot of big names in it. It's true. I mean, um, But look at the names again. Yeah. Denim Elliott. Wasn't a massive star, was he? He wasn't a massive star. Not at that star, point. Prunella Scales. Pr- Prunella Scales. Hadn't done much in Faulty Towers, to be fair. Oliver Tobias was a big name in the like late 70s, early 80s. He did an awful lot of television and movies. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got, you know, Joan Hickson. A lot of names, of, you know, quite well known in British television and, and early 80s, late 70s films. So, I mean, cast But they're all at the end of their career for the most part. Well, if they weren't, this film certainly got them there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Oliver Tobias was big in the 70s and early 80s i think but he didn't do much later on um the wonderful thing about this was though that faye dunaway says this was probably the best time she ever had making a movie yeah she said it was one of the most positive experiences of movie making she ever had i mean she's she has a good role in it she's obviously having fun with it so 
not surprised she liked it, to be honest. Mm. It's just a shame that as a viewer, you weren't necessarily having as much fun as she was with it. But that, you know, that could have been down to editing, could have been down to anything. We may not have seen... I'm still waiting for the winner cut of this um, to see, you know, what, <laughs> what that's... It's not going to happen, dead. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> calm down! Calm down! Um, yeah, that's true. So, calm down! I'm dead, dear! Maybe, maybe we never will get the winner cut of this film. <laughs> I'm sure it had a lot more, lots more special effects and things. But the thing is about um, Faye Dunaway's character, she's the main character, and she's awful. Yeah. She's just horrible. She's just the worst person. Why is she the main character? I don't care about her at all. She could get killed for all I care. She's just an awful, awful person. I will just point you to the title of the film, which is The Wicked Lady. It's not... The quite nice lady. It is the wicked lady. She's supposed to be quite awful. Yeah, but... She gets a comeuppance at the end. So, I mean, you know, it's a moralistic tale. Oh, good. All right, fair Of enough. a sort. See, I was expecting it to be the wicked lady, and then it turns out, oh, she's not really the wicked lady. It was her, She was trying to go against the time, and so she was dubbed the wicked lady. But it wasn't. She was just a really horrible person. I don't think they went <laughs> for that sort of thing in those days. She was just a horrible person. Yeah. yeah. No no metaphysical... I guess or... I, was expe- I was expecting too much. Yeah, you were expecting too much. You were expecting a moralistic story of our, t- of our time being transported into the mid-80s, <laughs> and that just didn't happen. It did not happen. Yeah, so basically, anyway, neither of us actually finished the film. No. I mean, the film was directed by Michael Winner, who was best known for doing the Death Wish movies, but he's he'd been a director since the early 60s and done loads of films, but he'd done Death Wish. How do you think he picked Tony to do the soundtrack for this? Well, I don't know. That's something I've often wondered. If only there was some resource we could call upon that could give us an, a, a valuable insight into that. You know, now you mention that, again... In my 200 boxes of recordings that I've got around here, given to me by Deep Throat, there was one marked movie soundtracks. I'm going to have a look in this, if there's something in there. Hang on. Aha! Have a look. I have something. Says Michael Winner, Conversation, Tony Banks. This could well be it. Shall we play it? Hoi hoi, keyboard maestro Tony Banks here. How can I help? Tony Banks, calm down, dear. It's only the acclaimed film director Michael Winner. How the devil are you? Michael Winner? Who the heck is Michael Winner? Um, well, I'm very good, thank you, Michael. I was just composing some new tracks from my solo album, The Fugitive. It's probably the best album I'll ever do. <laughs> Of course it is, Tony. Of course it is. Who have you hired to sing on it? Well, uh, no one yet. I need to start auditioning people. Nonsense! Tony, don't let anyone have creative control of your work. You wrote the songs. You simply must sing them, dear. Well, I don't know. I'm not exactly a great singer. Now, don't you ever let me hear you say that, Tony. You are a fantastic singer if you believe you are. No one can change that. Hmm, you're probably right. Probably right? There's no probably about it, dear. Look at me. Critics say I'm a terrible director. Do I listen? No, 
and people flock to see my movies. But after Mike's disastrous attempts, Tony Stratton-Smith expressly forbade me to sing, and I'm a little scared of him. Tony Stratton-Smith? What would he know about it, a charlatan? He's a good businessman, dear, but he doesn't understand creative types like what we are. Don't let him stifle you. Just picture his office. Go on, picture it. Well, okay. Right, I'm picturing it. Now, imagine the conversation. You're telling him that you've decided no one else is good enough to sing your songs. What is he saying? Well, he's, uh, he's swearing a heck of a lot. Of course he is. He's resorting to the lowest form of attack because he's jealous of your massive talent. Stand strong, Tony. He'll bend before you break. Trust me, dear boy. Yes, you're right. By God, you're right. Thank you, Michael Winner. I know where my interest lies now. Good day to you, sir. That was just the phone call I needed. By gosh, I will sing on my album. Vocalist and keyboardist Tony Banks here. How can I help? Tony, I'm glad you were so inspired by my humble words. However, I didn't just call you to change your life. Or, well, maybe I did. There was another little matter I wanted to discuss with you. Oh, okay, Michael. What can I do for you? Please, Tony, call me Mr. Winner. I'm in a frightful pickle. I'm just starting my latest epic, and only you can save my bacon, dear boy. Hmm, really? What was your last film? I'm afraid I don't get out to the pictures very often. It was Death Wish 2, starring Charles Bronson. Ooh, I, uh, I think I missed that one. What did you do before that? It was Death Wish, with Charles Bronson. Really? Charles Bronson, eh? Was it a comedy? Well... Not intentionally, my dear boy. More of an action movie. But I need help with my new film. Oh, well, uh, I admit I'm very charismatic when I'm on stage. All eyes are drawn to me being the powerhouse of the band. I'm not sure if that would translate onto the silver screen, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure about all the action. Don't get me wrong, I'm very handy in a fight... Probably, but I'm sure with a bit of training. Listen, Tony, I've been a big fan of yours for many years. In my opinion, you are the heart and soul of Genesis. Well, yes, that is true. So believe me when I say you have the right skills for the job. Gosh, I'm flattered. I really am. I suppose when you put it like that, how could I refuse? That's fantastic, dear. Now, the issue is, I have a month to get a cut of the film to the studio. A little bit longer than I normally have. A month? Well, I'm not sure I'd be in shape by then. I mean, I keep relatively fit playing tennis. But the rigs of such a role might be a bit beyond that. Role? What are you... But I suppose you could shoot around that, though. I suppose I'd have a stunt double, and you can do a lot with blue screen these days. Tony, I think... Oh, and talking of shooting, I don't know how to handle a gun. Even if it's in a film, I know the legions of Deathwish fans who want me to use them properly, or look like I am anyway. I think you've got the wrong end of the stick here, Tony. This isn't another Death Wish movie. I don't just do Death Wish movies, love. Oh my, no. There are lots of strings to my directorial bow, dear. Many different types of films, dear, with a wide range of themes. 
and Charles Bronson's filming another movie at the moment, so I can't start Death Wish 3 for two months. Oh, that's a pity. I think I make an excellent charismatic lead in a hard-edged violent drama. What's your latest film about? My new film is a remake of The Wicked Lady, and I... The Wicked Lady? I think I might be a little out of my comfort zone. Wouldn't you be better with someone like, oh, I don't know, Faye Dunaway in that lead role? Not that there's anything wrong with men dressing as ladies, of course. I just feel that women should be given the opportunities, rather than being sidelined. Calm down, dear. We're still at cross-purposes. I don't want you to act in my new film. Oh. Oh, more of a stunt person then, eh? Doing all the dangerous scenes? No, Tony. I want you to write the soundtrack. Oh. Oh. Um... Well, I suppose I could do that. I'd make a gosh darn good leading actor, though. Um, yes, dear, uh, I suppose you would. But about the soundtrack, can you do it? Oh, yeah, sure. I can toss something off and get it to you, uh, next week. Would that be okay? Don't you want to see a cut of the film first to get the mood and flavour of the picture? Nah, I saw the original with Margaret Lockwood. Lots of twiddly, oldy-worldy ditties. I can't imagine you've changed it that much. I mean, it's not like a director of your calibre is going to do anything like fill it with gratuitous nudity just to get the punters in, is it? Uh, f fantastic, dear. Um, speak to you soon. Oh, this is brilliant. Yet another string to my bow. I mean... How hard can it be to score a movie? That, uh, that Johnny Williams fellow bangs them out every few months, and he makes millions. This film is bound to be a smash hit, and other directors will be breaking my door down. Gosh, gosh, uh, now where to start? Oldie worldy, eh? Got to get the right period feel. Draw people into that time. This calls for lots of synthesizers. So, yeah, um... I don't think Tony would have been a good lead in Death Wish. No, me neither. <laughs> I, I can't see him in sort of like black wandering down dark alleyways with a gun. Well, the rest of Genesis could probably back me up on that. I don't know. You know, who knows what happens on tour? What happens on tour stays on tour. <laughs> wow. Well, mm. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Depends. Is he going after Steve Hackett or not? Back to the album. Now, Back you, to the album. This is an interesting album, isn't it? Because it's it's a two-part album, essentially, isn't it? Well, interesting's a strong word. <laughs> it's a strong word. It is a two-part. <laughs> it, it is indeed an album of two halves. So on the original LP vinyl version, the first side was Tony's synth demos for this soundtrack. Yes. Whilst the second side was the actual score from the movie. Now, it's interesting, this, because we've, as you said, side one is the demo version. It's all the senses, his rough workings. And then the second, as you quite rightly said, is the actual movie soundtrack. Yes. I would personally have done it the other way around because the demo version stopped me from listening to the actual version because there's yeah. only, and, and all apologies to Jean-Michel Jean. There really is only so much synthesizer you can listen to without it being dull. Unless, like Jean-Michel Jarre, you're an actual artist and musician. And then you make a perfect soundscape. <laughs> no Ooh, we're going to get letters about that. Okay, I will, I'm going to clarify that. We have to keep in mind that these are the demo versions of the tracks. Tony's a perfectly good musician, <laughs> yes. but these are the raw demos that he was putting forward 
for the proposals for these sounds. Yeah. Starting the album off with these raw sounds is, I think, a bit of a risky gamble, considering... I know he wants to get out there, this is me, this is what I've done, Baba. Oh, and also they they made some sort of movie soundtrack out of it as well. However, I'd have mm. led with the movie soundtrack and then said... And there are some demos of the originals. Because as we go into the album, yeah. the track listings are completely different from the demos to the soundtrack. Some of the ones in the soundtrack are actually mixes of two or three of the demos. So they've con they've congealed some of the tracks mm -hmm. into one track. And that works pretty well. But what did you think of the demos, though? Funnily enough, this album was not released on CD until 2013 and when it was finally released on cd they did exactly what you just said and reversed it so that all the orchestral versions came first that should be in marketing but it's an odd one i think it was a big mistake putting the synth ones on side i'm a. glad you said that i don't think it works no, i don't I don't think it to works. be honest if i was releasing the soundtrack i wouldn't have put the demos on at all either. no i mean because they they you know from a from a sort of pathology point of view it's like looking at the internals of a body and then seeing the body um, mm. and you see how things are put together because you see the demo tracks and there's a couple of tracks as we said which are actually congealed into one track to make something yeah. for the movie so it's interesting from an analytical point of view to see how these things are combined however that does not make the demos listenable. No one needs to know how the sausage is made. No, that's an ex that is brilliant. I'm going to give that to you, Simon. That is actually brilliant. You can write that down <laughs> in your little book. I know you write these things down in your little Thanks, book. I will. But I actually agree with you on that. Yeah, and that book. is a brilliant simile and exactly the point. You don't necessarily need to see how the sausage is put together. And unfortunately, on this, we've got to see the sausage and the meat. That doesn't sound right. Thinking yeah. about the movie, we see a lot of sausage and meat in the movie. So um, I'm going <laughs> to say that that, that was Indeed. a bad way yeah. of putting Yeah, that was a bad way of putting this. However, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure about why they, they put the demos on here. Because although they're interesting, then oh, it's hard to put into words, as you can gather. If mm. you're a Tony fan this is probably going to yeah. appeal to you if you're a fan hmm. of the film this is not going to appeal to you and why would you buy this album unless you like the film yeah see the thing is i can only imagine the reason they use the demos as well is because it's only 20 odd minutes worth of music that is a good and point. it's repeated in the film yeah so they wouldn't have had a whole album but they were desperate to release it as an album coming back to the film we only watched a small portion of the film yeah i may have watched clips more than you the thing about the, the you may have watched a couple of larger portions <laughs> leaving marina certis aside for one moment <laughs> um the thing was what struck me most about the film was the music was very muted in the film it wasn't you know, allowed. Mm. It wasn't a big part of the film, the music. It was yeah. quite in the yes. background. No, it wasn't. So it's quite understandable that there's a small selection of music they actually used because it didn't use that much of the music. Yeah. Or if it was, it was so muted in the background, you could use the same piece five or six times and you wouldn't notice. Yeah, I mean, they must have been so desperate to release the album because it was Tony. I can't think of any other reason why they would be desperate to release the album. No. I mean, anyway, ignoring the film and what we think of the film and how the music was used in the film we should probably just look at the tracks themselves what do you think we should let's go on to that i've got one last fact which is that this album did not chart even slightly and only had a couple of reviews at the time 
So this album was pretty much a non-entity in Genesis terms. Killing me surprised. We're going to go into the tracks now. Yeah. We're not saying it's a bad album or anything at this point. We're just stating the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, ma'am. So let's listen to the first track from the album, which is called simply The Wicked Lady. <laughs> a bit synthy you know the funny thing is we're going to be saying that mm. about every single track on side A. pretty much yeah. pretty much i mean to be fair that's actually not a bad little ditty really the problem is it's very repetitive yeah. that little very nice ditty is. is repeated again and again and again through this yes. track and i know i understand yeah. that as a demo he's going to get trying to get across an idea mm-hmm. but this track because of that could have been like eight seconds long yeah well i thought it could it would probably have worked as a TV theme tune at the time because that way you'd get a minute, maybe 30 seconds of it, and that'd be perfect. That's all it would need. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know with film soundtracks, they do that. They take themes and they take uh, riffs and that, and then they will cut them and place them randomly in the film sometimes. Sometimes what you see as... We mentioned the Imperial March in Empire Strikes Back, yeah. and I think that's cut in a couple of times, but they do that in movies. You'll get the theme for a character, which will appear once on the album, but yeah. five times in the movie. So what we have here is basically... In track one, we're getting the theme for the entire album. Yes. Now, there's a musical term. I don't know many musical terms, but I'm fairly sure this is right. I believe it's called a leitmotif. Get you! Where it keeps repeating. And we're going to hear little bits of this theme in other tracks on this side of the album. We are. Not as much as we're going to get on the second side of the album, but we'll come to that in a moment. No. The one thing that did strike me about this one particular track, was it me, or did this sound like the rift specifically and the, the makeup of it? It sounded really like something left over from a curious feeling. Funnily you should say that. <laughs> I put exactly that. It sounds like something off a curious feeling, or, or 
or even The Fugitive, it could have been from that album as well. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. It does sound very much like it's a Tony instrumental. It is, it is. But this particular one, because some of the other tracks that we're going to come on to do try and work in a characterization, because some of them are character themes or settings for actions like chases and whatnot. But this one, which is more of an opening theme, I think did lend itself more to being more generic rather than specific. Mm. Um, so I think this one, because of that, does feel more like a Tony thing rather than something that's yeah. or something else. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, almost like he's he's come up with this and then he's been asked to do the soundtrack. So he's exactly. going, oh, yeah, that'd yeah. be perfect. But yeah. the rest of the tracks are more specific, more specified towards the goal, yeah. as in a character or a scene or an action. But yes. on the whole, I mean, this, yeah, this I wasn't agree. a bad little ditty. It was a bad. It wasn't a bad little piece. I just thought that this was quite repetitive. Yeah, I quite liked this, but it was too repetitive to be properly enjoyable. I think. Right. So moving straight along, we come to track two, which is spring. But <laughs> That's typical Tony, but it's not a full song. It's quite pleasant, and I could imagine hearing that as part of a Genesis track. It's a lot lighter than the first track, though, isn't it? It's quite pleasant, quite pleasant. But much more repetitive. Yes, yeah. Like I say, if that was part of a an instrumental part of a, a Genesis track, it would be brilliant. It'd work perfectly. But we have to remember, of course, these are demos. These are giving senses of what the what the overall tracks will sound like they're not supposed to be the overall tracks yeah. themselves they're like the first couple of seconds of the track that will then turn into a four minute track so I yes mean, i mean when you said doing this album i thought it was unfair because we could listen to an album it's even more unfair listening to these demos before you listen to what mm. they turn into as we said previously should have been the other way around. Then you could listen to them and go, oh, I see where that worked into that one track. I get it now. Doing it this way, yeah. I think is a bit of an error. So everybody out there who's listening yeah. to this, I'd start on side two, which is track nine is the first part of the actual movie score. If you're listening to the CD, track one is the first part of the orchestral score. If you're listening to the vinyl, just turn it over and listen to side B. Okay, so that one was a lighter track. The next one, The Chase. Chase. 
anything to do with the Doctor Who story, The Chase? No, not at all. Although I did make a note of the fact that even during the 80s, the Doctor Who soundtrack didn't sound as bad as some of this synth stuff. Mm. And yeah. as we both know, yeah, we know how bad synthesizer soundtracks can get. I mean, I thought that was had a, had the feel of Mike Oldfield, but it was really repetitive again, wasn't it? <laughs> it's just little ideas. Yeah, I thought this sounded like the soundtrack to a to a video game. Mm. It started, and I thought. Is this a video game soundtrack? It had that sort of urgency yeah. about it that you get at the start of like a, a Mortal Kombat or something. But at the same time, this is called The Chase and you get a feeling mm. that it should be darker, more ominous, but I don't yeah. get a sense of darkness. I don't know. It... Ominosity? <laughs> That's a real word. I, I looked it up. <laughs> it clipped along at quite a nice pace. It did, but it, it wasn't at all, at all ominous, was it? Or dark? I, don't, I wouldn't have said it was supposed to be ominous. I would just said it's supposed to sound like... It's not like a chase as in somebody's after you. It, it, I don't think it needed to be dark and ominous. It needed to be quite lively and not upbeat, but like I say, it needed to, to be quite speedy as if it, there was a chase going on. I don't think it, it's the sort of movie where it's a... You know, it's not Death Wish. <laughs> <laughs> this is certainly no Death Wish, is it? Yeah, I just wasn't quite sure what this this track was trying to convey. It wasn't it wasn't quite clear. Mm. I say most of the time, I, all I kept thinking about was Mario Brothers. Okay, I didn't really get that from it, but yeah, it was all right. So moving on to track four. Yeah, well, we're getting through these, aren't we? This is Caroline. going through these quickly but it's because they're demos there isn't that much to say about them we've got this repetitive themes which is part of making movie soundtracks these are not in any way shape or form tracks they're not to be listened to they're not like demos of classic rock tracks or anything these are not meant to be listened to as pure music because they weren't designed that way. No. They were designed to sell a concept of a track for a soundtrack. So mm. we can't we can't look at these as individual tracks. They're not listenable as individual tracks. They are 
purely ideas. They're not final songs. They're not even ever going to be final songs. That isn't the point of these. So excuse us rushing through these, but that's all we can do with these. There isn't much to say. For the most part, we're on track four now. Synthesizers are really starting to bug me at this point because they are so annoying but this Mm. is what you do with a demo this is all you got you want a simple little keyboard just to knock out some ideas just to present it and go this has kind of got with the theme obviously we're going to arrange it later or we'll get an arranger in we'll develop these and we'll broaden them but this is the basic idea and then they go yes that sounds great or get out one of those two options is going to come from this it probably was never intended that these were going to be listened to by anybody. Yeah, I mean, like I've said already, it seems like an odd choice to release this album at all. And these demos don't really... I'm going to come right out and say it now. Here we are. Here's the elephant in the room. What? The elephant is in the room. None of these tracks so far have been particularly memorable. No, and and they're not. Even if you watch the film, you won't be interested because you'll want to know the soundtrack. You'll want the soundtrack that you Mm. remember from watching the film. The music in the film was so muted, it's unlikely you would buy the album anyway because Mm. there were no big musical score pieces that you're going to go, oh, that was awesome. So it's unlikely you would buy this anyway. You're going to buy this if you're a Tony fan. So you can kind of understand why Mm. they go, we'll put the demos on there because these geeks are going to love this. This is interesting from a forensic point of view because you can see how the, the tracks were then developed and you can see where they came from unless you're really interested in forensically dissecting your music there's not a lot here for you these demo tracks are boring the synths are annoying and this is not a good listen no i had i struggled getting through side one of this no i agree i mean one thing i would say about this particular track is at least it has a little bit of change of sound because he uses a piano at the start rather than straight into the synths I agree. The one note I put on this is this has a bit more grandeur about it. This actually feels like he's suddenly realised that this is supposed to be a big sound, not just little tinkly keyboards. And so we actually get Mm. a potential feel of what the final bit might sound like, just because this is a little bit grander. It's still a lot of synth in here. But at least, you know, there's a little bit... You can feel the potential in this track. Yeah, I would I would, I would, agree with that. This has a little... It's kind of uplifting in a way. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a little uplifting. It's the grandeur of it, or, or mm. the potential grandeur of it. You kind yeah. of almost get the feeling that this is almost... Car- this is the one track so far that is almost carrying you into the film world. Yeah. You can see the potential for a story attached to this one track. Whereas the rest have been ditties so far this one has a potential of being part of a story and it's the first time we've seen that i'd agree with that yeah so let's move swiftly on please track five jerry jackson
Okay, now this track does actually feel like it's a track in a movie soundtrack. Does that make sense? Because you can get the feel that this is a person's theme. Yeah. Well, you can't. You get a reprise, don't you, here of the Wicked Lady? Oh God! For the that, first time, that just stumbles through this side of the album. Yeah. Most tracks have got a refrain of that somewhere. We're going to come onto this on side two in a big way. But on this one, yeah, this is another track where you just get a hint of Wicked Lady coming into it. And um, this does, again, though, it does start rounding off into a movie soundtrack because you're getting constant reminders of the theme of the film, which was... Leap motif. All right, don't feel clever. It's not big <laughs> and it's not clever, Simon. And it's probably wrong. It is big. It's what? <laughs> it is big and it is clever. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, more more so than any other, this this is now starting to really sound samey. This side, yeah, it's starting to get you know, the it's it's becoming very apparent that these are musical ideas rather than complete themes. Yeah, the pennies drop now, isn't it? This isn't demos of tracks. This is ideas. This comes before demos. This is actually just musical jottings. Yeah, it's, no, it's not a it's not a demo of a track. This is not a fully formed track being played for yeah. the first time which is generally what a demo is this is an idea yeah. for a track they haven't even got as far as a full track yet and you know hmm. so again i stumble to understand why this has been included yeah I, yeah i, I agree I, i'm running out of things to say on this side of the album now but you know we've got three more tracks after this and honestly i don't I don't know what else i've got to say about it the only thing i've got repetitively written in my notes is bloody synthesizers. Let's move quickly on. Next track is called Repentance. This is the one track where I finally started to lose it with synthesizers. Yeah. It's not so much the synthesizers as such. It's that the one thing about synthesizers, as I understand synthesizers, is that you can make them sound like anything. Yeah. And yet what Tony's done here is make a synthesizer sound just like a synthesizer. Literally, the only thing I've got to say about this track is it's short. That's all I've written. To be fair, that's pretty true of all of these tracks because they're only ideas. So they're all like two minutes long if that i think the longest one was caroline at three minutes yeah oh no actually i tell a lie barbara is the longest track at four minutes 45 seconds which They're is coming to get you barbara yeah, which, <laughs> which is god which is the last track of the demos 
So um, yes, yeah. So this is the shortest track, basically. Um, yeah. Shall we move on? To- I've got literally, literally nothing else to say about that. Next track is track seven is Kit. <laughs> was the most amorous, adventurous, Ouch! and treacherous woman. The poison was not enough. Whoever lived. Never put your faith in a woman. Sounded vaguely oriental when I was listening to it. Did you? I thought it had, it had quite a nice little jaunty keyboard bit, which spoiled the nice air of menace that was kind of pervading in the track. I agree with that. It starts off with a quite a nice twiddly dee twiddly dum feel, yeah. and then you get this little menacing bit in the middle. Yeah, I say menacing. Synthesizers aren't generally menacing, so it's kind of you just have to read that. Yeah, it's it's weird. And having mm. not seen the film, I'm not entirely convinced I know who Kit is. Um, <laughs> apart from remember. the car in Knight Rider um, and I don't yeah. think it's that but yeah so again this one is another one that kind of reminded me of Curious Feeling it's yeah. got some of the same sort of vibes all of this side is very reminiscent of A Curious Feeling yeah. because effectively A Curious Feeling is just Tony playing the synth this one I thought they would use some of the same tones on the synthesizer as some of the things yeah. on Yeah, tone, tones on the synthesizer, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're not quite understanding what I'm saying here, but, you know, just for brevity's point of view... he's not going to be on the drums, is he? No, for brevity's <laughs> point of view, I think we just move on from this point. Mm. Um, we'll go on to the next track, which was... Barbara.
Yeah, that was okay. A bit too long. It was, and we got a reprise of Wicked Lady yet again in this. This is the longest track yep. on, on this side. It's quite a nice instrumental piece, actually. Um, it's not quite as synthy as some of the other tracks on here. I like the way the Wicked Lady theme was piano yes. this time rather than synth. I liked that. I that was liked like a, that. A little twist. I like that. Twist. And it, it, again, it, the Wicked Lady theme came in towards the very end of this track as well. As you say, a much more subtle and slower version of the Wicked Lady tra- soundtrack. Mm. Liked it. This wasn't bad. And you yeah. can see this was kind of one of those over-the-title moments. Yeah. On the whole, I think this was probably my favourite track on side one yeah. purely because it had so few synthesizers. <laughs> yes. Driving me literally mad at this point. Yeah. Well... All right, let's move on then, because that's the end of side one. Please. Let's move on to side two. Which is, of course, the actual movie soundtrack. Never was a woman more subtle in craft, but the Lord cannot be deceived. What do you mean? My own beloved master's wife, a murderess, an adulteress, and a thief. She was the wickedest woman ever seen on the screen. She stopped at nothing and prowled through the night prepared to kill. Okay, so now we've got to the point where where lovely Tony Banks has done his lovely synthesizer stuff and I'm sure driven everybody absolutely potty by playing it to them. Mm -hmm. And they've sat down with him and what he's done is basically... He sent this off to Michael Winner, who sat there going, whoa, 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 lovely, lovely, calm down, dear, and all that stuff. And they handed it basically over, partially. Tony still had a lot of control over this, but they handed it to a guy called Christopher Palmer, and he was more of an arranger. So they took Tony's ideas and worked with Tony, but basically said, you need somebody who's got more expertise with an orchestra, because this is going to be, mm-hmm. you'll all be glad to hear, the synthesizers don't really make it heavily into the soundtrack for the film. I say heavily because they do, <laughs> but not quite as heavily. The film itself, soundtrack, is actually orchestra-based. So we've got some lovely, lovely sounds of horns and other traffic noises. <laughs> and, you know, it's basically, it's a great soundtrack from now on. We've got a much richer rounder sound and we'll hear a lot of the stuff that tony has done on his demos working into these tracks but they're all retooled reworked renamed rejigged three or four tracks sometimes are brought together to make one track much like they do with uh, you know when we've talked about genesis in the past yeah they've all come to the studio with different parts of a track and they've gone i've got an idea for this i've got an idea for that i've got an idea for that and they've gelled them into one track that's exactly what's happened on this soundtrack so we're going to hear some tracks now that were actually on the movie soundtrack they're a lot different they sound very different but at the same time they sound the same yes so the first track we get to hear by kevin carter or whoever it was is prelude to the wicked lady
works so much better in orchestral form than what basically what is the first track. Yes, I mean this is this is a much more rounded track. Again, it's just more orchestral. Which, if they'd have gone with the synth version, people would have been screaming from the film. You mean they they didn't anyway? I would like to think they didn't, because it was the <laughs> 80s, and there were so many films this bad out there. I think he's right. This is 83. You think of all the great films you know from 83, and from previous before that. Yeah. Well, I am going to counter you with that, and I want you to tell me one good British film from 1983. Because I guarantee you, all the films you're thinking of are not British films. Uh, n- no, but most of the films that I I'm thinking of were made in Britain. That doesn't matter. It's not the same thing. <laughs> it's yeah. not the same thing. But the thing was, right, so you've, you've got films that were made before then, right? So you've got films like yeah. um, Blade Runner, for example. Films mm-hmm. like that. Predominantly shot in England with English directors or English yeah. actors, English uh, mm-hmm. cameramen, English sound recorders. So how come when we make one of our own at this time, it sounded like you'd filmed it in the shed? Because you, you're confusing... <laughs> being shot in Britain by being budgeted in Britain. Yeah, boy, you're forgetting the money. Money, money talks. Money, money, money. Money doesn't exactly. just... It's all money. Money doesn't just talk. Money looks. Money sounds. Yeah. So all those films you're thinking of that are really good, like Blade Runner and all that, they, that was American money. It was, They weren't British films. They might be made in Britain, but that's like saying Star Wars is a Tanzanian film because it was filmed in Tanzania. This is low budget because it's a British film from 1983. But it was an American, a, a British-American co-production. But it's still British. Yeah. <laughs> now, I will, I, will, I will not have a word said against British films these days because we produce some excellent, excellent movies, very well acted, very well done, because we've learned how to make a good movie with a limited resource or limited money. But... Back then, they just had no money and just went, yeah, that'll do. Pretty much like TV at the time as well. There was just no money being put yep, into the arts. That, that'll do. Look how bad Doctor Who got in the early to mid-80s. Definitely. I mean, I know we keep going back to that. And anybody who <laughs> listens to this podcast will already know we're tragic fans of various yeah, shows. But it's true. I mean... The British film and television industry really struggled with underfunding at this part, and this mm. shows massively in these films. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, are we talking about the film again rather than the soundtrack? But I, can I think... the two be separated though? Because one cannot exist without the other. That's true. How meta was that? But I think we'll probably come on to this more as we do our overview at the end. But I think the only reason this soundtrack album exists is to try and get some of the money back from the film. Very probably, yeah. Merchandise. You know, they're not going to sell T-shirts of the Wicked Lady. Nobody's got that T-shirt. You know. Going back to the film and the T-shirt of the Wicked Lady, I mean, you only have to look at the the poster for the Wicked Lady. I mean, this was a film, remembering that the original with Margaret Lockwood was a drama, Mm -hmm. and what we have on the film poster for this version is Faye Dunaway straddling a bed which has got half-naked men peeking out from underneath. It's just it's just got farce written all over it. This film mm. had a farcical poster for a dramatic film that wasn't filmed in a dramatic way. It was doomed from from go really this film. Yeah. And it was. but we will come back to the soundtrack now because we were on the yes. very first track just reel it back in there because we have we do yeah. have a tendency to wonder as anybody who listens to us regularly will know Indeed. and god knows how you're going to edit this to make any sort of sense or not bore people senseless uh, you <laughs> haven't managed it in the past so why you should now i don't know um <laughs> this is the first track it's full orchestra 
it's actually a soundtrack now. You can actually it see is. this as a movie soundtrack. It is. And this is actually quite a memorable piece as well. It's so much more bombastic than the, the what mm. we got from the original idea in the demos, wasn't it? Yeah. Because the original, we had the twiddly da 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 That's still here, yeah. but it's now got this massive bombastic soundtrack halfway through. It goes really mental halfway through and mm. you get the feel that this is going to be a really big opening to a film now yeah it is it, it's it's the closest to a memorable theme this album has i am going to not argue with you but only point out that the fact that this is only a memorable theme in the fact that it's repeated in every bloody track yes that exactly. re- that, that <laughs> wicked lady theme actually works into every track on this soundtrack yeah it does it does it's in pretty much every single track i quite like this track to be honest as you say it's quite memorable um i like the fact that the piano and the flute and and i think it's an oboe in there as well yeah is really brought to the fore on this and the really bombastic Mm. orchestra is at the rear for the most part and i think that makes the wicked lady theme really work much better on this it, it stands out without being in your face if that makes sense it and does, i like yeah. it i like this mm. i think it's a, a pretty good intro i like this one so shall we move on to the next track let's now in the original um demos we had just a track called mm. jerry jackson and apparently now we have a portrait of jerry jackson Jerry Jackson ages, but his portrait stays young. Exactly. Now, it's the wrong way around, though, isn't it? It is. <laughs> now, this one, I thought, was probably the most changed from the original. I didn't... Mm. I, you could hear strains of the original in there, but in, in some of these other tracks, um, you really, yeah. you can really hear the basic idea from the original demo. This one, I thought... Yeah. Was had the least in common with the original demo. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's 
fulfilled the potential of the original demo. How long have you been thinking that one up? I've just thought it up. I didn't even write it down. Look, You're <laughs> off the cuff. Oh, my God, you're off the cuff. I've gone rogue. <laughs> There's no holding you back now, is there? This is going to be a whole evening now yeah. of you just going absolutely rogue yeah. in front of the microphone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's quite. that's quite lively. That's kind of triumphant sound. I don't think... Now, this is the odd thing about the film. Because, like I said, a lot happens in the first 15 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. I got about halfway through the film, so about 45 minutes in, and I don't think I even saw this character... <laughs> Funny you should say that. I was struggling to figure out who the hell Jerry Jackson was. Yeah, I mean, and he's supposedly one of the main characters because he's the highwayman. I think probably we have to sit down and watch this whole movie to get it, but I'm not prepared to do that. We probably should. Yeah, I'm not prepared to do that. Probably should. No, I don't want to. <laughs> don't, don't make me do it. Don't, don't <laughs> make me do it. <sighs> but yeah, it goes quite bombastic at the end, doesn't it, this one? Yeah, I think, you know, to be fair, going back to the demos we've just heard on side one, oh, everything sounds bombastic compared to those. Yeah. Um, and we are going to use the word bombastic several times, I think, on this side. I've certainly written it several times on this side. It just goes to show that from what you can get from an original idea when you bring an arranger mm. in. Because we have got the demos here of the kernel of idea for these tracks. And you've seen what somebody has sat down with Tony, arranged these for an orchestra. What you can do with a basic idea. You can make such an interesting... Yes and robust and rounded track from the kernel of a small idea. And you just wonder how drunk they had to get to listen to the demos and then come up with these, or how (laughs) high they were to get that. Because it's quite a reach from the original to come to this, isn't it? Yeah, it is. What I'm finding quite interesting about this side is, spoiler for the future, Tony's last three solo albums are classical albums. So I'm wondering how much of those the arranger has changed. Really not that much. I I think probably Tony saw this album and this experience of doing the soundtrack as a massive learning experience. Mm. I think he just took everything he learned from these and poured it into his next albums. Possibly. But like I say, those last three albums of his are are orchestral. I'm wondering how much influence the person who helped arrange those had over the sound of those albums. We'll be coming on to those. But I, I quite like this portrait of Jerry Jackson. Yeah. Um, quite lively. Quite enjoyed it. Shall we move on to the next track? Yeah. Caroline's theme.
again. You see, we're already starting to talk in soundtrack talk. Mm. Caroline's theme. You know this is now yeah. a track that's going to appear whenever Caroline appears, or parts of it. Yeah. This has definitely now moved into soundtrack territory. And this actually really does sound like the original demo. You can hear the melody mm. that it originally came up with repeated through this. I think it's one of the closest to the original yeah. because you can clearly hear the same tune that he'd originally hammered out using his glockenspiel or whatever in the original demo. He probably did have a glockenspiel and then turned it into a synthesizer for the demo. <laughs> Possibly. This track's all right. It's got some quite nice violins. It's got an, an old-fashioned soundtrack it's feel weird to it. You should say that. Yeah. Because one of my notes is this sounds like it comes from the musicals of the 1950s. Yeah, it's the strings, isn't it, that makes yeah, it sound like exactly. that. exactly. I couldn't put my finger on what it was yeah. that was reminding me of these old musicals. And as you just pointed out, it's the use of the strings on it. Not just the use of the strings, it's the sound of the strings, the way they've been played and produced that makes it sound old-fashioned. It could be you know, an RKO Pictures soundtrack from 1945. It could be from the original wicked lady but that said whilst the violin's quite nice and the string sound is quite nice it's a really forgettable track yeah i think yeah i don't caroline in the movie seems to be one of the main female characters but this track does not do that character justice from when i saw the movie she was the other main female character um yes but i don't think she was a main main character as it were. Well, she was for the first 45 minutes. <laughs> Let's say that. But she wasn't. But she was no wicked lady, though, was she? She wasn't, no. Who knows what her role was after that, because it could have all changed in five minutes. Okay, so we move on from there to the next track, which is Chorizo. <laughs> Chorizo. No. Scherzo. I know it was some sort of sausage. Wash your mouth out, young man. I know it was some sort of sausage. like something that should be about toys does that make sense it does because you know what i've written i've written that it's quite christmasy in feel jesus we've got to stop hanging around together <laughs> uh, that it's is uncanny weird, yeah or it's exactly what the people who wrote it intended in which case it's doing yeah. a fine job potentially of doing what it does best even yeah. though I don't think it is. However, yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. This is this is a nice light piece, and it feels almost Christmassy, toysy. Feels feels hmm. childlike. I think it's it's the sleigh bells that are doing the making it sound Christmassy, though. I think because yeah. there's sleigh bells playing in the background, isn't there? So the thing is with sleigh bells, it's so hard to use them anywhere but in a Christmassy track, effectively. Well, exactly. Because as soon as you put go, why would you oh, even we'll, try? We'll bang the sleigh bells in here. Everybody goes, wow, it's just a Christmas film. 
No, no, I'm just using sleigh bells. But we only use sleigh bells at Christmas. Yeah. I'm being a rebel. I'm being a rebel. I'm using them in June. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you would use sleigh bells in anything other than a Christmas song, and to be honest. There are certainly no Not reindeer that I recall in this film. <laughs> no, so, I say. In the first 45 minutes, anyway. So. Unless Santa turns up halfway through this film, I don't see the point of sleigh bells. But yeah. <laughs> Ho, 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 you're not getting any presents. Ho, 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 <laughs> who's stolen all my toys? Why, it must be the wicked lady. Ho, 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 ho. Maybe that's what happens halfway through, yeah, I don't know. Could do. I wouldn't be surprised, to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a fairly pleasant little number, isn't it? Quite jaunty, but absolutely agree. again, it's... Unmemorable. It's, it's all right. It's unmemorable. Yeah, forgettable again. And we come back to the point where surely hmm. a movie soundtrack is really only any good to the people who have seen the movie because it brings back the memory of the movie and if you haven't seen and enjoyed the movie this soundtrack is going to be nothing to you it's very true very true i i agree i think i I debate the point of doing this review with you yet again because it's not an album you you do that every week (laughs) i'm trying to get out of doing these bloody podcasts if you want to know for sure but no it's it's like this is one of those that unless you're familiar with the film you're unlikely Mm. to ever buy this album Actually, yeah. I'll take that back. If you've ever seen the film, you're not going to buy the soundtrack. No, that's true. Once you've forked out money once for the movie, that's enough, I think. Nobody ever buys the soundtrack to a movie they hated, do they? Just say no. This is where you just say no. Don't think about it. Just <laughs> say no. I'm you just... are not going to come back with some witty, clever remark ever to that. Just say I'm just trying no. to think about just, just trying to think if I've ever bought a soundtrack to a film I don't like because I've liked the soundtrack. Just say, Gary, I don't you're right. That. That's never happened. You're right, Gary. You're right. Just admit it, Simon. I'm right. No, not this not necessarily. It depends. Oh god. Score or soundtrack. Because obviously a soundtrack can also be loads of songs that have been tacked together. <sighs> I'll I, give I, you I see, that. I, I would say you you probably wouldn't buy the score to a film that you really hated, but you might buy the soundtrack because it might have loads of good songs on it. That's true. So. That is true. Yeah, I suppose so. Anyway, so let's move on to the next track, which is called Pastoral.
actually is one of the tracks we were talking about earlier that combines a couple of the demos together. This has got both Spring and The Chase combined to make one track. I actually like this piece. It's quite good. Yeah, I quite like this. I mean, it starts off very, very pastoral, doesn't it? Very gentle and relaxing in Spring. And then it goes all strident. Yeah. And I like that. I think it works really well. You end up starting mm. off with this really nice piece of music that effortlessly flows into this, you know, real dramatic chase music. Mm. I think it works fine. I like this piece of music. Yeah, I think this is probably the most cinematic piece of music on the album. That's the word a person with intelligence would use for this. <laughs> That's why I couldn't find that word. I mean, this really just conjure up lots of images of pastoral England and running around and stuff yeah and you could see from a directorial <laughs> point of view that you could drop bits of this in in several places yeah. through a movie yeah i like this piece basically that's all i've got to say about this piece is that i rather liked mm. it and i like the way it took the two previous tracks and moved them into one piece and they work perfectly well together agreed it's a quite a good track this moves us on to da, 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 the wicked lady You know what struck me about this track? That it's got the Wicked Lady theme in it? No. It sounds like it should be one of those tracks at the start of a film where there's music playing and somebody's doing a voiceover. Like, for example, at the start of It's a Wonderful Life, where the music's playing and then you get the conversation between Angels. Gabriel and Clarence. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, because this is a much more laid back version of the wicked lady mm. theme isn't it it's a much more yes it's got that pastoral feel to it like if this was playing in a movie you'd be looking out over a landscape and there would be a voiceover over the top and of somebody it. would be saying something like and so caroline decided to marry ralph but she didn't reckon with her sister barbara etc etc it'd be something like that wouldn't explain what's gonna happen in the film yeah and so the lady got her breasties out 
and the man was jumping up and down in the nudie, and he ran away. Stop saying what's on the screen. It's happening on the screen. Shut up. That'd be like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, this is a this is the main wicked lady theme. Yeah. This particular piece of music has been in every track so far, and to be absolutely fair, I'm sick of this refrain now. <laughs> It's it's yeah. it's been in every track. It's been little twiddly bits here, little twiddly bits mm-hmm. there, and in some tracks, a full blown part of the track. I'm yeah. so sick of the wicked lady sound right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. This it's all right. It's all right. It, it works better as as an orchestral arrangement than it does as just a synthesizer. Arrangement. I I agree. I agree. But as you say, I think that's true of all the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Moving swiftly on. Kit's theme. Kit's theme. Still don't know who Kit is, but this is his damn theme. Well, this starts with the bloody Wicked Lady theme again. Yeah, well, I've got to be honest, like the character of Kit, this track has made zero impression on me. I can't even remember who Kit is in the film. No. The thing is, right, I watched the first half of that film, and Kit is literally in it for about two minutes in the first 45 minutes. And he's got his own theme! Yeah, guy did good. What can I say? Yeah, I don't know if he's in the the other half of the film a bit more prominently, but how does he get a theme? Why hasn't Ralph got a theme? Ralph's like one of the main yeah. characters. Good old Ralphie. Where's Ralph's theme? Yeah, exactly. Kit gets a theme, and it literally... I can't even tell you anything about this theme because... It's made no impression on me at all. Well, I listened to it earlier, and I made some notes. Would you like to hear my notes? Mm. Here are my notes. It is basically a piano version of the demo of Kit's theme. Wouldn't you get past the bloody wicked lady theme? (laughs) It works much better than the original, mostly because it hasn't got synthesizers. I kind of liked that, because it's quite a nice little melody, and it works much better as an orchestrated version of that. Again, the demos were just an idea. You can't take that demo and say, I like that, but you can take this piece of music and say, it's pretty good. It's a bit repetitive. Again, is that refrain is playing again and again. Yeah, but I mean, this one even more so than quite a lot. When we got the demos, they were repetitive to hell. Mm. The soundtrack has been much better with the exception of the fact that they keep putting the Wicked Lady in every single (laughs) track. It's a refrain that just keeps repeating. It's an odd one because part of me kind of prefers the demo version. Mm -hmm. And that's going to sound odd because if they'd used anything but a synthesizer, it would have been, please, I'm going to still (laughs) hear those synthesizers in my sleep. But I I just like the simplicity of the original. This one was pretty good, but it was like expanded for the point of expanding. It really didn't bring anything to the party, I don't think. It was interesting. Nice piano version of the demo, but it was longer than it needed to be for a character we can barely remember. Yeah. Well, I'll take your word for it because it literally made no impression on me whatsoever to the point that I've got no notes other than pleasant made no impression on me at all. Glad to know you've (laughs) done your homework, Simon. That's all I'm saying. 
He made me listen to this, and you couldn't even be bothered. Thank you for that. <laughs> I had to listen to this one several times, and it still made no impression on me. So, there you go. That leads us on to the finale. quite obviously the finale not just mm. because of the title though that is a bit yes. of a giveaway um mm -hmm. but this is um some people may be surprised and nay stunned to realize that this has yet again the wicked lady theme in it um <laughs> it does but it's a much sadder more maudlin version of that theme this probably yeah. if you haven't seen the film this probably gives the end of the film away oh yeah in the fact that it sounds much more oh everybody's died oh everybody's gone to jail <laughs> oh everybody's been sent to australia whatever the end of the film actually yeah. is um ralph's not dead is he not ralph not ralph i think even kit might be i don't know i don't know <laughs> I'm going to have to watch well, it now Ralph. to find out who these... Not Ralphie. Not Ralphie. What about Caroline? Is Caroline all right? God, somebody tell me. Um, yeah, I may have to watch this film just to find out who the hell these people are now. We've talked about them so long. <laughs> but yeah, this is an end over the credits piece of music, as far as I can mm. tell. I have seen the final moments of the film. Yeah. I cannot say for sure what the end of the film is. <laughs> it's... It's kind of left open as to whether the main character dies or not. Right. It looks like she's going to pop a clogs, but she doesn't actually pop a clogs. Right. So eh, she could be a wicked okay. lady for a couple of years left yet. I don't know. I'll have to watch the film and find out what actually happens. I'm not desperate to do that, nor, in fact, do I no. ever intend to do that. But there may come a time in the near future where I'm, how to say, the worst for wear, and I'll sit in front mm -hmm. of the TV and go, oh, shall I watch it three in the morning? Oh, no! And I'll watch... Or alternatively, yeah. there may come a time, some point in the future, where someone, devilishly handsome maybe, and intelligent and witty, forces you to watch it in order to review it. You son of a... <laughs> Don't Who do knows? this. You know, they're, they're so... Friendship is like a piece of elastic... You can stretch it to the point of breaking. You, you're aware of that, yeah. yes? You yeah. can't You can't hold those photographs over me forever, you know, Simon. <laughs> yes, I can. So, anyway. This is a really good lesson to our listeners. Always, always keep the negatives. <laughs> I have you now, my friend. <laughs> oh, I remember that very line from several years ago. 
There are several Tony Banks scored movies we could review. Oh, Martha, <laughs> please don't make me do it. Please. <laughs> but anyway, we're not reviewing the movie right now. I, yeah, I thought it was all right. Builds up to quite a nice climax before ending with a yep. crash. Yep. As you say, it's a pretty good end of movie sound. It says yeah. credits are rolling. Yeah. In those days, the credits were a lot shorter than they are now. You could get out of the cinema before you'd even got your popcorn container in the trash. It was pretty quick because you got so many mm-hmm. more credits at the beginning of the film. So I think we have to look at this now as a whole album, Simon. Shall we go into our overview? Okay, let's do that, Simon. <laughs> Come on then. Overview. So this is this is a difficult one to judge, isn't it, really? Well, as we said right at the beginning, you've got an album here of very two different parts. I mean, yeah, it's this was a rock album or a, a classic album, and they'd re-released it for the 97th time, but this time they put the demos on. You might mm. be interested. Yeah. I don't see the point yeah. of the demos on this album. See, this whole album, I'm struggling to understand who this album is supposed to appeal to. Because the film isn't big enough. You know, it's not successful enough. It wasn't a massive hit. It was a film by Michael Winner, who's a a fair to middling film director at best. Who is this designed to appeal to, this album? I can't even say it was designed to to go to Tony Banks' fans. Because judging from from his album sales at this time, exactly, there aren't a hell of a lot of those. Mm. Um, certainly, certainly not to warrant the remixing and re-release of an album that has been cobbled together from one that never actually got released. So this is a special project that takes a lot of money to put an album like this together yeah, exactly. to, to do the the research to to drag all this stuff. I mean, all right, Tony Banks probably had all this sat in a box somewhere marked "Wicked Lady," but it's still you know it's amount of production time. It's pressings it's marketing it's it's you know getting out there this is a lot of effort for what could potentially be a very small return exactly but it's the film itself so something like for example a hammer horror film might have a very good soundtrack and fans of the hammer films would go i'm a i'm a fan of that film i'm a fan of hammer I'm going to go out, I'm going to buy the soundtrack album as well because I'm a fan. This is just another weird Michael Winner British film. Who's going to buy the soundtrack? Because Tony Banks fans will buy it, yes, because what few Tony Banks fans there are will buy it. Genesis completists will buy it. That's one of the reasons I've got it on vinyl is because I saw it secondhand in a record shop for a couple of quid and went, yeah, I like Genesis, I like Tony Banks, I'll have that. But this is the most I've ever listened to it in the last couple of weeks. I can guarantee you'll never listen to it again, either. I never will. I might listen to The Prelude to the Wicked Lady once or twice, but that will be it. But I I really struggle to see who this album is for, because there's not enough music to have released it as a full soundtrack album, and the demos are not good enough to be released on their own. So I don't see who this is for. And the movie itself wasn't a massive hit. No, exactly. It's not like it's a Star Wars or, like I say, like a Hammer film. Because it stood the test of time. This is not something that you see rolling down on TCM every other weekend. This is not a classic movie no. by any stretch of the imagination. It isn't. The only positive thing about this movie is that it had Faye Dunaway in it. Every, and and Marina Sirtis' <laughs> topless scene. Other than that, it has nothing hmm. of interest to anybody. It's not a classic movie. It's not regarded now as, oh, a lost classic. No. It's just another I mean, film. As I, as I said, I, I do like old movies, and I do like crap movies, and I do like old crap yeah. movies. 
this somehow manages not to fall into any of those categories. <laughs> it's just a terrible movie. Exactly. And the best soundtracks stay with you after you've watched the film. Yeah. Like Jaws, for example. Everybody However, knows Jaws. As I Star said previously, Wars. the music in this is so low-key in the film, it's hard to believe that anybody mm. will remember any of this or be humming any of it. You know when you left Jaws or you left Empire yeah. Strikes Back or you left Raiders or any of those films. I know they're all mm. John Williams films. That wasn't my intention. But, <laughs> but case in yeah. point, they were all memorable. Yeah. You hummed them all yeah. leaving the cinema. You are not guaranteed yeah. to hum any of this at any time. We have listened to this several times over the last couple of weeks. I still couldn't hum you the Wicked yeah. Lady theme. And I've heard it every day. And I've heard it in every track on this album every day. I could probably whistle the wicked lady refrain not the whole theme just that little bit but not not none no. of the rest of it no none of the rest of it this does not stay with you it's not good enough to to be memorable it's not good no. enough to be a soundtrack that's not to say that's not to say that they did a bad job here there are thousands of films hmm. every year that release a soundtrack and you know because yeah. in the in the 80s when this was done they did release Every film soundtrack, just about, and very few of them actually made any money yeah. because because they were it was a niche market, and not a lot of people would buy a soundtrack. It was very very niche. We could, we've mentioned John Williams several times, and that's purely because his music was in some of the very most popular movies. If he'd done the music to the Wicked Lady, nobody probably would have bought it still because it wasn't a memorable film. Yeah. It's only he was lucky that he's mm. had memorable films that he's done memorable soundtrack to and they made money yeah. for him. 99 other musical directors that year also released a soundtrack that made nothing. So so you know, it's not that yeah. they've done a bad job it's here. It's just that it was an average soundtrack to a lower than average movie. Yeah, that's kind of the problem, isn't it? It's it's just low budget and the the film's low budget, soundtrack's low budget. One of the things I did read about this was uh, it was a a quote from mm. from um tony and he did say yeah. that he thought that christopher palmer's arrangements of his themes were yeah. a little bit more flowery and orchestrated than he intended so he i think he originally wanted yeah. a more i don't think it was a more synthesized version of the soundtrack because that would have been awful <laughs> but i think he wanted something a more short and choppy and more musically based rather than the orchestration that we finally ended up with. So I think yeah. this worked better because of what Christopher Palmer did to the soundtrack. I think yeah. if it had been left to Tony on his yeah. own, we would have ended up with a different beast and perhaps something even less likeable than we ended up with. Quite probably, yeah, quite probably. I think it would have been more yeah. like the demos. Yeah. Which would have made the movie unlistenable. For or sure. certainly unwatchable. <laughs> so... Final verdict on that album, then? Never, ever want to hear it again. Not because it's bad, no. but because side A with the synthesizers is just annoying as hell. There's only so much synthesizing uh -huh. noise that continues on with the same synthesizer sound without change. You can't listen to too yeah. much of that. I think when I was listening to it in the car, as everybody knows I do, I got to track four and I had to turn it off. You couldn't listen to any more of it in yeah. one sitting. Side two was better with the orchestration, but again, none of it was really memorable enough. But again, that possibly comes down to the fact that I couldn't get into the film. And I think with soundtracks, mm -hmm. you've got to like the film to like the soundtrack. When, going back to a point you made, it is purely music 
and not yeah. musical tracks like you know Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, which was songs and things. You know, yeah. when it's just music, yeah, you've yeah. got to like the movie to like the soundtrack. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, normally, this will be the point in the episode where we go onto the leaderboard. Now, for this album, I don't think we can place it on a leaderboard. I agree entirely. Because this, I don't think this is a fair representation of Tony's skill because he's not trying to write mm. songs here. He's writing yeah. music for a film. And I know, I know this is what he eventually goes on to doing, you know, writing music mm-hmm. just as music. But I don't think this, is, this belongs on a leaderboard because it's not a representation of his songwriting capabilities because this isn't a song-based album. So I agree with yes. you. I think I don't think this should be on our leaderboard. Yeah, so it's not going on our leaderboard. I know, I know our listeners don't want to hear us go through the leaderboard yet again. We'll, we'll leave the leaderboard for this this time. We'll give them a reprieve for this this one episode. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I agree <laughs> with you. It shouldn't, because we both agree that this, this will probably only be listenable if you really loved the movie, and we struggle yeah. to find anybody who's going to be doing <laughs> that. I don't think there is anybody. No. So, no. There you no. go. So that's our podcast for this week. It is. That's the podcast for this week. That is the podcast for this season of the Revelation Station. That is the last last episode Gosh, of season does two. Does that mean I, I get my evenings free and I can listen to what you, I want to in the car now? Yeah, you get a few weeks off. Just a few. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe maybe we... one. Maybe two. You are such a gentleman. I am. I'm going to revel in that week. I'm going to just roll around in my underwear and just really enjoy it. That's probably an image that most of our listeners don't want to get into their head. In fact, I just said it and I actually feel a little bit of bile rising myself. (laughs) So, you know. But it's out there now. Suffer, people. There we go. There's no homework for next week. There will be homework. I've got plans. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. But for now... If you have enjoyed this episode of the Revelation Station podcast, you can contact us. You can contact us at revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to donate some money to the running of the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com or you can donate the price of a coffee and we will use that to pay website fees and buy equipment, etc, etc, etc. Or if you feel that you've been harmed in any way during listening to (laughs) this episode, there are certain places on the website where you can phone and talk to people who may be able to help. (laughs) Yes. So, hope you've enjoyed Season 2 of the Revelation Station podcast. I know I have. Have you enjoyed it, Gary? What has been your highlight? What has been my highlight? My highlight has been... So anyway, what have you enjoyed, Simon? <laughs> um, I have particularly enjoyed rediscovering some of these albums. Yes, to be I, honest, I, I must admit. I, all joking aside, um, some of these albums are the first time I've listened to them, and some of them, mm. some of them, some of them yes. have been an absolute joy to listen to. Um, some of them have reaffirmed why I didn't listen to them in the first place. <laughs> Um, yeah, but on the whole, I've I've, I've enjoyed it. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying the experience of being introduced to music I haven't heard before. Yeah, as as we've said on many 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 occasions, I'm a Genesis fan without being a Genesis aficionado. Yeah. So I've listened to some of the albums. Some of the albums I only heard once. I haven't listened to a lot of the solo stuff. You are making me listen to. You are introducing me to some of these albums, <laughs> and it's a very interesting 
uh, experience listening to some of them purely mm. to see you know where the individual characters decide to take their role and in some ways you've got a better picture of how when they come together they make the music they do because you can see how each yeah. individual person approaches music by looking at their yeah. individual stuff. You've got Tony, yeah. who's is very keyboard heavy and music mm-hmm. heavy. You can see where he brings that to the solos. You've got yeah. Phil Collins, who brings tedium to tracks. <laughs> and you can see where some of the more boring Genesis tracks come from. And then you've got yeah. Mike Rutherford doing his whatever it is that Mike Rutherford does. You know, and it, it's it's interesting from that point of view to see how two great musicians and Phil Collins can make you know <laughs> basically a great band. Um, and yeah. we're not forgetting the the previous members of Genesis at all. I'm just discussing these three because those are the albums we've been listening to in the last year or so. So you know, what have you enjoyed about listening to these albums again? Because most of them are from your your record collection, your more than prestigious record collection. Well, like I say, just rediscovering stuff, and I particularly enjoyed reevaluating Small Creeps Day, which was an album I really didn't like, and yet we both really enjoyed listening to that really enjoyed listening to it yeah i mean it's not changed my opinion on tony's stuff it's not changed my opinion on any of the other stuff but really really did enjoy small creeps day so yeah that's what i've enjoyed one of the things that it's changed about me is i've actually i actually found myself hating phil collins solo stuff even more (laughs) Um, because i'd only heard so little of it you know there's the singles that he had hits with yeah uh, but now I've listened to the whole album. I really hate him. Um, <laughs> I really don't like that schmaltzy solo stuff that he does. Hmm. And I know I stand utterly alone in that, as I do in life. Um, you do. With regards to just about everything. But it, it, I, that, I don't like his solo stuff. It doesn't appeal to me. It's not my kind of music. And that's the thing, isn't it, with music? You either like it or you don't. And that's the one thing we've yeah. discovered looking at these albums. We've got such... But even between us two, where we have some similar musical tastes and some very different mm-hmm. musical tastes, my musical tastes are quite good, whereas yours are <laughs> terrible. Um, and so, but between us, you know, we've we've come to look at these albums, and sometimes we gel on an album and say, yeah. surprisingly, that we both quite like it. And other times we have such wildly different opinions. You like Phil Collins? I do. I, I still don't brilliant. know why. Don't know why. <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? But the point is, between us, we end up with something of a balanced approach to an album. Yeah, um, we do. And I like to think, even when we hate an album, we approach it forensically enough so that our hatred of Phil Collins doesn't come across massive. I mean, (laughs) our hatred of various musical styles don't come across too much. Well, I'm still going to listen to the albums that I hate (laughs) when we review them. I've just, again, I'm hoping to change my opinion on stuff like I did with Small Creeps Day. So far, I haven't. Tony Banks' stuff, I certainly haven't changed my opinion on that. I liked his first album. Not massively, but it was it was okay. But there's more to come. Plenty more to do yet. There are lots more. So that's it. That's it for this episode. We're going to take a short break. We're going to take a very short break. We're going to come back and ruin your days very shortly <laughs> with a whole new season of whatever it is that Simon makes me listen to. <laughs> but in the meantime... We'd like to take the opportunity to thank you so much for listening and putting up with us. Indeed. So this is Gary and Simon, or this is Simon and Gary, for the very short time, signing off. We'll see you soon. Take care. Goodbye. Love you. I'll call for help. Um, They call him Mr. Bombastic. (laughs) 
Jamie Fantastic. Are you embarrassed by that now? <laughs> nope. You should be. Anyway. Are you? I'm embarrassed for you, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, 